The following is message number four of a Southeast Blending Conference held in Atlanta, Georgia on the morning of March 31st, 2019. The title of the message is Being Constituted with the Processed and Consummated Trying God and Becoming the New Jerusalem. And the speaker is Brother Ron Kangas. In Matthew chapter 16, immediately after Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Lord said to him, You are blessed, Simon, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in the heavens. So first came the revelation of the wonderful, marvelous person of Christ, the Son of the living God. Then immediately following, the Lord said, Upon this rock, the rock of this revelation and the rock which is Christ himself, I will build my church. These words we consider the greatest prophecy in the entire Bible. And the Lord's word, I will build my church, reveals that he came to the earth through incarnation to fulfill God's eternal purpose. And that purpose, according to Romans 8, 28, and 29, is to have many sons, many conformed to the image of Christ, the firstborn son, that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. When we proceed to Romans 12, we see that these many brothers and many sons actually are the members of the body of Christ. <clears throat> this view is presented from the perspective of the salvation of fallen human beings. In Ephesians, we have a revelation directly from the heart of God. That was made known to Paul, and he told us that God's eternal purpose, made in Christ, is to bring forth the church as the body of Christ, who will become the wife, the bride, the counterpart of Christ. God's purpose in the universe is to bring forth a counterpart for his son, composed of millions of chosen, redeemed, regenerated, transformed, built up, and glorified believers to be a corporate person. And ultimately, this corporate person is revealed as the New Jerusalem. We will see later the New Jerusalem is not a place. 
It's not a literal city. It's not heaven. The New Jerusalem is a person. So the eternal purpose God made in Christ in eternity past is now about to be fulfilled through a lengthy process. And the prophecy is, I will build my church. And the church here is the universal church, the body of Christ, inclusive of all the believers throughout space and time. Then two chapters later, in Matthew 18, the Lord is speaking of relationships in the church life as the kingdom of God. He first speaks about a shepherd seeking one lost sheep. And the context here is the recovery of any believer who's gone astray. Then the Lord addresses the matter of relationships in the church. And he says something like this, that if a brother has sinned or has caused discord with you, you go to him to have fellowship with him. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. The goal is to gain the person, not to judge him, to gain him. But if he won't listen to you, then try again with one or two others to be witnesses. And your goal is to gain him. But if he will not listen to you, and this is the crucial point, Jesus said, then tell it to the church. The church. We are in a situation where who can say the church? Because there are thousands of entities, of groups claiming to be a church. But the Lord does not recognize them as my church or the church, although he recognizes all the believers as his own, without question. And he knows that all these believers are part of the universal church. There's no doubt. But when he speaks of the church, he's talking about something visible, practical, and local. So from the Lord's point of view, as the Christ, the Son of the living God, there should only be a universal person, my church. Then his understanding and his ordination is that this universal church 
in this age would be expressed in space and time on the earth as local churches. There is no other kind of church in the New Testament. There was the church in Jerusalem. In Antioch, there was the local church in Antioch. And our translation in the recovery version is altogether accurate because the modifier there indicates the local church in Antioch. And the Lord Jesus himself in Revelation tells John, write the vision on a scroll and send it to the seven churches. Then he, Jesus, names seven cities. Then when he begins to speak to each church, he links the city with the word church to the messenger of the church in Ephesus, to the messenger of the church in Smyrna again and again. This is the view of the Lord Jesus. This is the revealed truth in the New Testament. The goal of God's eternal purpose is expressed in the Lord's words concerning building his church. But in order to reach the goal, there is a procedure which begins, of course, with proclaiming the gospel of grace and the gospel of the kingdom. And according to Acts, once they believed and were baptized, they entered into the church life. So the church in Matthew 18 is the procedure for Christ to build up what he calls my church. This is the truth and the practice from the beginning. But as prophesied in Matthew 13 in the parables, and in Revelation 2 and 3 in the seven churches, starting soon after, or even during the apostles' time, degradation set in. And there was a radical change of what was the church into a huge, gigantic, hierarchical organization with a pope on the top. That's just a fact. Then there was a reaction to that, motivated by God through the word, to begin what we call the recovery. And so much had been lost and damaged that our wise God realized this recovery must take place gradually, beginning with the recovery of the truth. The just shall live by faith. Amen. We must cover the basic truth of the gospel. In Matthew 19, I review, we see the principle of recovery set forth. The Lord uses the example of marriage and divorce 
Religious ones ask, can we divorce our wives? The Lord asked, what did Moses say? They said Moses allowed us to write a, sign a document and send her away. Then the Lord said, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed that. Then he said, from the beginning, it was not so. The principle of recovery is to go back to the beginning, not historically, but according to truth. And this happened regarding the truth of the gospel, regarding so many Bible truths, regarding the mission work, regarding experiencing Christ in his resurrection, experiencing the cross. But what had to be recovered, what was remaining, was the procedure. We may have all the truth and a burden to evangelize people. And we may love the Lord and pray and read the word diligently and seek the Lord and desire to serve him. But all of that is part of the process. The Lord must have the procedure that he ordained. So he first made an attempt to recover the church with the brethren about 200 years ago. And something marvelous happened, but it didn't last. They became obsessed with doctrinal details. They did not know and experience Christ as life. They did not have the governing vision of God's economy. So the Lord had to turn from the West and go to virgin soil in China and use certain ones that had been chosen by God, beginning with a genius like Watchman Nee. That's the kind of person he was. Then the Lord dealt with him and trained him and gained him thoroughly at a cost because our brother Watchman Nee held nothing back from the Lord. And he became a channel for the recovery of the truth concerning the church. So in 1922, there was the first Lord's Table meeting in China that marked the recovery of the local church life as the procedure. So here we are in 2019, 97 years later, with varying degrees of understanding, which that's normal. We are meeting this morning in the gathering of the recovered church, Amen. signified by Philadelphia. We have no name. 
As soon as the name is taken, you are not the church. You are a sect, a denomination. There are no Lutherans, Presbyterians, Baptists, Anglicans, Pentecostals in the New Testament. There are just us believers, Amen. brothers, members of the body, Amen. the churches. The general subject of this conference is living and overcoming life in the recovered church. I pause here. The Lord needs to recover the church with believers who see the truth. We're not trying to repeat history. We're not trying to mimic Acts chapter 2. We are practicing and living out the truth. And we are doing this first for the Lord himself and second for all the believers. A local church includes all the believers in that locality. Our heart is not small. We're aware right now there are all kinds of Christian gatherings and different kinds of religious entities, some of whom do not have a clear view of salvation. But there are thousands, tens of thousands of real believers in Atlanta right now loving the Lord, wanting to worship the Lord. We respect that. We recognize that. And when we meet them, we don't make an issue of the church. We don't proselytize anybody. We're not trying to win an argument with anyone. But we will be what we are without shame. Amen. We have been brought back to the ground of oneness, which is the basis on which we meet as a church. And in our heart, in our spirit, we include all the believers. So anyone would come through those doors and want to be at the Lord's table. No one is interrogated. They're not asked for any proofs. This is the Lord's table. It's not ours. Whoever wills, come. You're our brother. You're our sister. Believe it or not, we love you. We receive you. But simply being in the recovered church is not the goal. Things don't stop here. Okay, now I've arrived. I'm in the recovered church. I'm in a genuine local church. Certain things need, should be taking place in us. The Lord desires that now in this procedure, certain things happen gradually in our being. And the first is that the overcoming Christ, the victorious Christ, the man in the glory who de defeated Satan, he wants to reproduce himself 
in the lives of any believers who are open to him. Because the church has become so degraded into a religious system, Brother Nee sounded out a very particular message. The normal Christian life and the normal church life. And because of the degradation, when you meet something normal, it seems so radical. It's so different than the situation. But overcomers are normal. They might appear to be special, they appear to be super contrasted with the degradation, but actually they're not super, they're simply normal. So when the Lord produces overcomers, what he's doing is making us normal Christians, practicing a normal church life. So anytime you have been ill or someone you love has been ill, you have only one concern. Not that they can get up from the bed and participate in the Ironman triathlon in Hawaii. You just want them to be normal. Your whole being is longing for that. I just want to have my normal health back. Well, that's what becoming or being made an overcomer is. It's the process of becoming normal. So it's normal to be normal, to become normal. So the Lord himself is the overcomer. And in the, speaking to the churches, he is calling for those who overcome. Believers who take certain actions that make them victorious in the situation. And they overcome in three ways. They overcome all things mentioned in Romans 8.37 through the Lord's love, makes them more than conquerors. According to 1 John, they overcome the world system of Satan. Then according to Revelation 2 and 3, they overcome anything contrary to Christ and God's purpose, and they positively carry out God's purpose. So this brings us to Philadelphia, the recovered church. And we may wonder why in a church that has no defect, why does the Lord still call for overcomers? There, there's nothing they have to overcome. There's no division, no mixture, no hierarchy, 
no deadness. They love the Lord. Well, they need to be overcomers in a particular way, as I will identify, so that by overcoming in this way, they will be constituted with the process triune God and therefore consummate God's economy and become the new Jerusalem. So we'll look at Revelation 3.12 from the outline, but I want to just read it directly, starting with verse 11. The Lord says, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one take your crown. I'm still pondering, I'm still seeking the Lord. What is the crown here? Well, we look to the New Testament. The crown has two main meanings. It's a reward. It's a kind of coronation. To get a crown is to be made a ruler. But there's also a crown given to the winner of an athletic context, context, contest. So if you are really in a dicathlon, that's rigorous to the uttermost, then you may get a crown not to make you a ruler, but to declare you're a victor. So I believe both apply to the church here. They have a reality. They have the crown. They are in the reality of the kingdom. And they are being victorious because they love the brothers. There's no division. There's no partiality. There's no preference. They love all the believers the same. And they do not deny the Lord's name. That's not only that they don't take a denominational name. We have to consider Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So anytime I do something out of myself, I'm acting in my own name. And I am implicitly, maybe unintentionally, denying the Lord's name. I'm not letting him be the person. I'm being the person. I'm not letting him drive. I'm driving. I'm not letting him respond to this crazy driver who cut me off and then he wants to turn right. Why don't you just stay behind me and turn right? <laughs> and so it's not just we don't have a name. That, that is true. The name is a person. To do everything in the Lord's name is to let him be the person living in you. And, and we keep his word. It doesn't mean we keep a Bible on the coffee table. It means we, we hold to his word, we read the word, we eat it, we digest it, we assimilate it, we love it, we enjoy it, we minister it. 
And as a result, we're, we're touching reality. You are in the reality of the kingdom. So the enemy's stratagem toward the recovered church is to take away the crown, to somehow design something to gradually, gradually cool you down, make you lukewarm like Philadelphia. And it worked with the Plymouth Brethren. It worked. They became Philadelphia, the degraded church. And we are not without vulnerability. We have to learn. We're not better than anybody. And so there is an exercise to hold fast to what we have. Not just hold it like this. Hold fast to all that we have received. All that the Lord has imparted to his recovery through the ministry of the ministry of the age and the ministers of the age, Brother Nee and Brother Lee, we shouldn't be light about it. We should hold it fast, allowing it day by day to penetrate our being. We're not going to let this go. We will never compromise the truth. We will never water it down. The truth concerning John 14 is that the Father's house is the church. There's no mention of heaven there. That is a religious deception. Yes, the loved ones we know that we're believers. They are with the Lord. Paul said, if I had to choose between staying alive here and being with the Lord, I would rather be with the Lord. But what religion has done is to forget the person and instead you have a place. But the truth is, the Son is bringing us to the Father and he prepared for us a place in the Father's house. And that house is the temple of God, the church. We are going to proclaim this if the whole system of Christianity rises up. The truth is the truth. Amen. We will hold fast to the truth of God's economy, God's plan and arrangement to dispense himself into us, to make us his corporate expression. So we want to hold fast. And this is what an overcomer does in the recovered church. What a normal believer in the recovered church does is you hold fast what you have. It's so precious to you. Those of you that have participated in rather strenuous sports or a long run, you know that you go through a period of getting yourself in peak condition. You're going to run a marathon. You don't just get up and start running 26 plus miles. You condition to that. 
And it's quite an exercise to get in that peak condition. But you know what's harder? Maintaining that for the rest of your life. Every once in a while, I, your dear brother says, you know, someone asked him, do you exercise for your health? Well, he said, I, I, was, I, ran, I was in track in high school, very good. But now you're 47. You're really not in good shape. This is not good for your health. Forget about what you were in high school. For the sake of your well-being, you need to get to a certain level. And, and tell you, it's quite a discipline to maintain that for decades. And the overcomers in the recovered church, they maintain that to the end. To the end. And this is a prayer in me from time to time. And it's there now. Lord, Lord, please grant me this mercy. That I will be faithful to the end. I once saw a documentary of someone running. You know, the triathlon in Hawaii. I don't know, first you swim, what? I don't know, two or three miles. Then you get on a bicycle, was it about 116 miles? And then you run a marathon. And of course, the professionals who care who wins, most of the competitors, you get the glory if you just finish. You have to finish before sundown, I think it is. If you just finish, everyone celebrates, you finish. If it takes you 11 hours, but one woman about 200 yards short of the finish line, she just fell down and couldn't get up. And so that's a big difference. This is why we need to be humbled before the Lord, because we're not just running a triathlon. There's another kind of race. I can't imagine how men and women do it. And it's this. It's a 24-hour run. Start running. You run for 24 hours. And whoever runs farthest wins. That, to me, is an illustration of what we're in. We're running the race set before us. It's not a sprint. Americans, with their impatience, are sprinters. Many of the Asians, they have more patience, so they're long-distance runners. But the point is, only by looking away unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and allowing him to shine himself into us, that will keep us running, Amen. no matter what happens. There's a verse I love at the end of Micah that I would apply now. And I like to say this to the enemy, the enemy who has harassed me and us, the enemy who caused us to stumble. This verse is for you. From Micah chapter 7. Do not rejoice against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I will rise up again. Amen. 
And when I'm in darkness, the Lord will be light to me. So don't come to me and start laughing and mocking and saying, oh, you've been running for 52 years in the Lord's recovery. Now I got you. You stumbled. Okay. I'm down. Now shut your mouth and open your eyes and watch me get up faster and run faster than ever before. Amen. I'll tell you, enemy, the older I get, the faster I run. Amen. The older we get, the newer we are. And so this is an exercise not to lapse into mediocrity, to lukewarmness, but to hold fast, which means we're just continually exercised. If we do this, mentioned in verse 11, then we experience now, gradually, what is in verse 12. He who overcomes. The one who overcomes, in verse 12, is the one who holds fast what she has, in verse 11. And so when you are doing that, you are becoming something. And the Lord is making you something. By working himself into you, he who overcomes, him I will make. So the Lord's going to work on you. He's going to make you something in him that you could never be in yourself. You don't have to become this. He will make you this. Amen. You just keep loving him and the brothers, honoring his name and his word, holding fast. Day by day, he will make you a pillar in the temple. He says, a temple of my God. And the temple of God is the new Jerusalem. But in the New Jerusalem, there is no temple. God is the temple. So you are being built into God. Amen. To be unshakable. That's what it says. I will make him. And then we go on, which we'll cover a little later. And I will write upon him. The name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which descends out of heaven from my God, and my new name, okay, I will make, I will write. Amen. These are a description of what the Lord is doing in us day by day Amen. if our being is open to him and are, are agreeing with him. And, and we, we pray for this. I will write upon him the name of my God. Then another name. The name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. And my new name. Now, the standard, partially accurate, but very superficial interpretation of objective men, meaning males here, is that, oh, writing the name, that just means you belong to something. 
Like I wrote my name in this New Testament, so that shows it belongs to me. That is correct. That's correct. But that is just the beginning of three aspects. In Revelation 14, you have the living overcomers raptured. They are the first fruits of the crop. The kingdom seed has developed into them, into the reality of the kingdom. They are fully mature. So the name of God and the name of Christ are on their foreheads. So the standard interpretation is that's simply a designation, that you, uh, an indicator you belong. Okay, I'm not denying that. But to stop here is a serious mistake. Having these names written on us have two other meanings. The first, God's name is written on us, we belong to him. New Jerusalem written on us, we belong to her. The Lord's name written on us, we belong to him. Okay. But the second meaning is we are one with God, Christ, and the new Jerusalem. We don't just belong. We are one. The Lord identifies himself with us. I am one with you. You are one with me. But we will focus on the highest meaning. To have the name of God written on you means you become God. Not in the Godhead, but in life and nature. That's a designation of what you are, of what you have become. Now the name of the New Jerusalem, the city of my God, New Jerusalem, is written on you. You're not only belong to the New Jerusalem, you're not only one with the New Jerusalem, you have become the city. Amen. The Lord's new name, and I don't know that new name, but it must be the issue of the process he went through, indicates we are becoming Christ himself in this limited way, that we are his reproduction. He is our older brother, but we are, strangely, his twins. We're his reproduction. We're the many brothers, the many sons. So what is happening? Those who are living an overcoming life in the recovered church by holding what they have, the Lord is making them something and he's causing them to become something. We can't feel it. We can't measure it. But there will be times when we sense it and we will recognize it in one another. This is a process. We are becoming God in life and nature. But not in the Godhead, not as an object of worship. We are becoming the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is not a place. We can prove this. In Revelation 19, we're told, Rejoice and be glad. The marriage of the Lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready. We would all agree 
the wife here must be a person. It's so obvious. Why would you, you've got to be theologic? You've got to be really smart to be dumb enough to think that's not a person. If you're an ordinary person, you'll realize it, it's just what it says. His wife, a wife, come on, is, is a human person. Then we go to Revelation 21. The angel tells John, come here, I will show you the wife, the bride of the Lamb. In other words, I will show you the wife mentioned two chapters before. So John is in spirit, carried away in spirit to a mountain. And what does he see? The holy city, Jerusalem, descending from God. He sees a city. But the city is called the wife. How a wife can be a city, that means she is both the kingdom and the counterpart. The goal of God's economy is this wife. It's the marriage. First the wedding, that's for the overcomers. A long wedding feast, thousand years. What a, oh, what a long, blessed wedding day, 1,000 years. The overcomers will be the wife at this time. All the ones not overcomers will be in summer school or they'll spend that day in another situation making up for what didn't happen during their life on the earth. Then at the end, after the millennial kingdom, there will be the full development of this person involving all the believers, tens of millions of us. The fact that the overcomers in the recovered church have the name New Jerusalem written on them indicates they are becoming the New Jerusalem. Please follow this. And the New Jerusalem is a person. And the person is the bride. The Lord knows there is nothing more in my heart, day and night, than the burden that we would realize the Lord wants to make us his wife, Amen. his bride. Before he comes to deal with the enemy and to remove human government and establish his kingdom, before he comes openly to do that, he will come secretly for her. That's why Matthew 25 says, the bridegroom is coming. This is what's on his heart. Right now, this is what he's ministering for, what he's praying for. Right now, as I'm speaking, as we're here, his whole being is for her. He gave himself up for her. And in the recovered church, we are becoming her. To become the new Jerusalem, which is the wife of the redeeming God, is to become 
the counterpart. And this will be a, this would be a separate conference of becoming the bride, the preparation of the bride. And so what the Lord desires in all of us, whoever we are, whatever our present degree of spiritual development is, he wants to have the opportunity to work on us, to make us a pillar. And he wants to work on us. First, we belong to him, so he possesses us. Then he makes himself one with us and makes us one with him. And then he causes us to become the same as God, the same as he, and the same as the new Jerusalem. And this is what happens to the overcomers in the recovered church who simply do one thing, hold fast what you have. You're already touching this reality. Don't let anyone, don't let anyone take your crown. The Lord will, will use all kinds of things and persons for the long run. And yes, it's one thing to see that trainees graduate from FTTA twice a year. Their corporate testimony is a glory to God. They're consecrated to the Lord. But what's in my heart? Where will you be when you're 35? When you're 45? When you're 67? When you're 79? I don't know what it's like beyond that, so I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> you can check in with me later. This is what's in my heart. If you're, if you're governed by American culture, it's impatient, it's quick, it's shallow. You need to be on a course as you're living a normal human life in all of its stages, in all of its circumstances, and are in the church life, that you allow this process to take place in you of being made a pillar and becoming the new Jerusalem and participating in the consummation of the divine economy. Now in about 30 minutes, we'll go through the outline to solidify many of these points. One, the governing vision of the Bible is the triune God working himself into his chosen and redeemed people in order to saturate their entire being with the divine trinity for the production and building up of the church as the body of Christ consummating in the new Jerusalem. This is what we're saying. The triune God has now become our all. That's this. That's one of the greatest hymns ever written. Two, the main contents of the New Testament are that the triune God has an eternal economy according to his will 
and good pleasure. Economy is his plan and arrangement for dispensing. Okay. According to his will and good pleasure, to dispense himself with his divine life and nature into his chosen and redeemed people to make them his duplication so that they may express him. This corporate expression will consummate in the new Jerusalem. So let me say again, the new Jerusalem is a person. It's not a place. I mean, no one can marry. Who can marry Atlanta? You're going to marry New York City? That's a joke. Wake up, theologians. Let the Lord remove the veils on your mind. Humble yourself. Read with all honesty the writings of two men from China. Drop your bias. Recognize there's something the Lord did there. There's something the Lord revealed there for the whole body. Humble yourself and be perfected through a little man from Chifu. One of the greatest mercies of the Lord to me was to prepare me for this, that I could just present myself to the Lord and to the church just to be a brother. The, the glory goes to the Lord. I'm not a Leite. I'm not a Neite. He would never want that. We're not a denomination. But when I came into the Lord's recovery, I only knew the basic truths regarding justification by faith. I knew I was born of God. I didn't even know I had a spirit. I didn't know anything about organic salvation. Everything I know, I learned through this ministry. Amen. And I'm certainly not ever going to dissociate myself from this. I will continue in the things that I have learned and I will ever remember from whom I learned them. I won a theological prize at Princeton. The professors and even my fellow students, they had a certain respect. It's just a fact. And I had a big library and I read voraciously and I was familiar with all kinds of theologians and I told myself, I can't trust any of them. I have to read with scrutiny and much discernment. But when I came across the ministry of Watchmany and Witnessly, I realized this I can trust. This is pure. This is real. This is faithful. The Holy Spirit will back this up. Amen. And so I learned the New Jerusalem is not a material city. It's not heaven. It's a person. Amen. So I repeat, to become the New Jerusalem is to become the bride so you can be at the wedding. Amen. Don't you want to be there? Amen. Amen. Three. 
The high peak of the divine revelation is that God became man so that man may become God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead, to produce and build up the organic body of Christ for the fulfillment of God's economy, to close this age and to bring Christ back to set up his kingdom. I realize if you're hearing this for the first time, it's quite startling to become God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. Okay, for a period of time, some of you know this. I lived in a situation where in the house, there were 15 fish tanks, some of 100 gallons. In the backyard, there were rabbit hutches with rabbits with ears like this and rabbits with ears like that. And next, next week, there were more rabbits with ears like this and more rabbits with ears like that. And then there, there were quails and then there was a parakeet in the house and then there were three dogs, a, a miniature poodle and two bearded collies. And in the house, there were three little human beings that were the products of two adult human beings. And I observed this phenomenon. All the different kinds of fish reproduced fish. All the bunny rabbits produced rabbits. The quails produced quails. The dogs produced dogs. The humans produced humans. They produced what they are. So my daughter and sons, they have my life in nature, but not my fatherhood. Okay, God is really our father. That's not a religious expression. That's a fact. He is Abba Father. He is our father. And we are his children. So how can we be his children and not have his life in nature? That's impossible. But only he has the Godhead. So there are certain attributes of God, many of them that can be shared with us. Life, love, holiness, righteousness. But certain belong to him like omnipresent. Okay, I'm right here. I'm not at 2672 West Madison Circle in Anaheim right now. I'm not in my office at Living Stream Ministry right now. But God is here. God is there. God is there. He's everywhere. But I'm here. Because that's Godhead and I don't have it. He is omnipotent. He has all power. I like you. I just got a little power. <laughs> he is omniscient. And he knows everything. Well, we just know a little bit. And what I once knew, I don't know if I remember how much that I once knew. And so we're very clear of the line of demarcation here. Don't throw this shallow attack. Oh, you're, you're, you're listening to the serpent who said you will be like gods. No, that's Satan speaking. But I did listen to the word of God. We read John 1, 12 and 13, didn't we? And didn't we read a verse that says this? As many as received him, to gain, 
He, that to them he gave the authority to become children of God who were begotten of God. So you don't have to interpret it. It's crystal clear. You have been born of God. You have the life and nature of God. Now the subpoints: A, God's economy is his intention to dispense himself and his divine trinity into his chosen and redeemed people to be their life and nature so that they may be the same as he is for his corporate expression. Last night for a while, I just had a delightful time fellowshipping with a brother and a sister that are engaged. They love each other. And yes, one is male, one is female. They have distinct human features, but they're more alike than they're different. And the brother is going to marry a dear sister who's the same as he is in life and nature. Okay, the Lord is going to get married. His wife has to match him. Amen. Let's be a little logical here. Not match him in the Godhead, that's impossible, but to be the same as he is in life and nature, and that's what we're becoming. B, God's economy is that God became man to make us God in life, nature, and expression so that we may have a God-man living and become the body of Christ. God redeemed us for the purpose of making us God in life and nature. I didn't know that was the purpose when I got saved, but that's his reason. So that he can have the body of Christ, which consummates in the new Jerusalem as God's enlargement and expression for eternity. So he saved us for his purpose. And it took all of us, there may be some exceptions, it took me a long time to begin to realize what happened, that I have a spirit. And the spirit is mingled with my spirit. And Christ is making his home in my heart. And the goal is the body to consummate in the wife, the new Jerusalem. D, it is only by God's becoming man to make man God that the body of Christ can be built, produced and built up. This is the high peak of the divine revelation given to us by God. Every part of your body you consider part of you. If someone steps with a heavy boot on your right big toe, you don't say, kindly remove your boot from the metatarsal on the ground. <laughs> you say, don't step on me. <laughs> well, me, you know, someone may say, well, I'm not stepping on the intrinsic significance of your person. <laughs> no, my toe is me. Every part of my body is me. That's why the Lord told Saul of Tarsus, you're persecuting me. You touch any one of my members, you're touching me. And you're not going to get away with that. 
Rather, I'm going to make you a part of this me. Roman 4, for our Christian life and church life, we need to have a vision of the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is a composition of divinity and humanity mingled, blended, and built up together as one entity. Please remember, the city is a person. We become this person by mingling, blending, and being built up. All the components have the same life, nature, and constitution, and thus are a corporate person. This is why we spontaneously love one another. You love your siblings. Did you really have to take a class in loving my brothers and sisters? You just spontaneously love them because you're born from the same source. This is why we love one another effortlessly, immediately. As soon as I meet a believer anywhere, doesn't matter where they meet, the church is not an issue. The love is there. Spontaneously. Because we have the same constitution, the same life, the same nature. And so, the corporate person, the New Jerusalem, is, is a, she's a corporate person. So the more we're constituted with the triune God, the more we become this corporate person. B, the New Jerusalem is the consummation of the central vision of God's economy and of the high peak of the divine revelation. So this corporate person, the wife, is the consummation of the vision and of the revelation. And the subpoints, many of them, they help us to get into this. One, the New Jerusalem, the ultimate consummation of the Bible, involves God becoming man and man becoming God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. This is the goal. The procedure is the church. And the church must be the recovered church. I personally believe that our merciful and sovereign God will produce some overcomers everywhere. There'll be overcomers in Thyatira, in Sardis, all the denominations. Who am I to limit him, to restrict him? But I have a much better chance of becoming an overcomer in the recovered church than if I had remained in the Finnish Apostolic Lutheran Church or the United Presbyterian Church, hobnobbing with all those kinds of t teachers. I personally believe Billy Graham is an overcomer. Amen. He was a pure person. He was faithful to what he knew. He preached the gospel in power. When he preached the crucified Christ, it was powerful. Brother Lee acknowledged that. 
They got to meet him twice at close range. He, he had white garments. He fulfilled what he was able to do. Who am I to say that he cannot be an overcomer? So we leave that to the Lord. But we're in the recovered church. And in the recovered church, we're here to consummate his economy by becoming the new Jerusalem. Okay, little b. Eventually, the triune, eternal God becomes the new Jerusalem, incorporated with all of us, and we also become the new Jerusalem through the process of God's organic salvation. Because the new Jerusalem is a universal couple. So the triune God becomes a new Jerusalem as the husband, and we become the new Jerusalem as the wife, because the new Jerusalem is the husband and wife, one forever. And uh, in the bedroom where our host graciously placed us for the weekend, there are these delightful family photos on the wall, and above it is, and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> so this is how the Bible ends, speaking of the bridegroom and his wife, they lived happily ever after. After 10 trillion years in the new heaven and the new earth, they are happier than ever before. Maybe they'll look at each other and say, wonderful, amazing. I love you more than ever before. That's our destiny. And so it, it's, it really would be wise for us to give ourselves to the Lord to become her now so we can be the bride and then the wife. Those who do not become her now will be the wife at the end of the kingdom age. Two, the new Jerusalem is a composition of God's chosen. That's you. Redeemed. Regenerated. Sanctified. That's happening. Renewed. Going on. Transformed. Taking place. Conformed. Will happen. Glorified. That's for sure. Who have been deified. Amen. Amen. All that's going to happen to you. If you're brand new, hearing it for the first time may be hard to believe. It's okay. It's okay. If you have questions about it, it's okay. We're not afraid of questions. If we know the truth, we'll tell you. If we don't know, we won't pretend to know. But you're going to go through all these steps. And some of the dear ones that in blindness oppose our teaching concerning the high peak of the divine revelation... I'll just say to them, uh, with a smile, but not with a smirk, with a smile. Uh, I'll just see you later. I'll see you later. And um, I don't, I don't want to argue with you because that's not going to do anything. You know, I could give you the verses. I could make a strong case. I don't want to do that. I'm not, I'm not here to win arguments. I'm not here to put anybody down. I'm here to minister Christ to you. If you don't agree right now, uh, I'll see you a little later. And um, Brother Lee once said he's giving a message. This was during a time of very fierce 
battle for the truth. And he, he expressed this. He said, um, in the new heaven and the new earth, he said, those that are opposers now, they will come to me and say, Brother Lee, we're sorry that we fought against you, that we opposed you in the age of grace. And this is what Brother Nee said. It's okay. I forgave you already in the age of grace. They didn't repent. His heart was to forgive. Lord, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And sooner or later, they will become themselves the proof that they were wrong in their concept. <laughs> because here you are, one deified son of God, part of the wife. And you know we're going to be transformed, so we're not going to say, I told you so. <laughs> no, no. If you still have that kind of spirit, you're not, you're not rapture ready yet. Don't say, I told you so. I think we would just look at one another and say, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Okay, little a. For us to be deified means that we are being constituted with the process and consummated triune God so that we may be made God in life and nature to be his corporate expression for eternity. Okay, with the fish, the rabbits, the quails, the parakeet, the dogs, the children, something amazing. They all expressed what they were. The rabbits didn't bark, right? The dogs didn't fly. So when, when we have our natural human life, we can only express the natural human life. When we're constituted with God, God is expressed not by, but through and in our humanity. Little b, the deification of the believers is a process that will consummate in the new Jerusalem. This is the highest truth and the highest gospel. Three, the New Jerusalem is the corporate God-man. The enlargement, expansion, and expression of God, the corporate God. What do we mean, the corporate God? In the Godhead, God is triune. He's singular. But when he works himself into us, then you have the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and the body. That's Ephesians 4. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That's four in one in God's economy. So that is how God becomes corporate in relation to us. But he never changes in his eternal Godhead. He is triune. We do not enter the Godhead to be the fourth person in the Godhead. Never. That's heresy. No, never. But Ephesians 4 is there. The triune God is one with us. So he's incorporated with us. 
Little A, the New Jerusalem, okay, the New Jerusalem is the expansion and expression of the process and consummated triune God. Here we are again, but these are the stages. Chosen, that means God settled it in eternity past. Redeemed, regenerated, sanctified, renewed, transformed, built up, conformed, and glorified people. Now you know that you have been redeemed and regenerated. If you'd like to be sanctified, renewed, transformed, built up, conformed, and glorified, I suggest while you're in the shower, while you're shaving, while you're at the red arrow, you just pray, Lord, Romans 5.10 says, much more we shall be saved in his life. Lord, Lord, today I want much more of much more. Lord, today, sanctify me, Amen. renew me, Amen. transform me, Amen. make me an overcomer. Amen. Now the, the arrow is green, and you go on. You didn't have to repeat it ten times. The Lord heard you the first time. You, you want me to sanctify you? I'm going to saturate you more today. You want me to renew you? You're getting older physically. I'm going to make you newer day by day. Amen. I believe 2 Corinthians 4.16 our outer man is being consumed. No doubt about it. You that are young, I know you think you're immortal. It's okay. Be young till you're not young. We know we're not immortal. Our body is being consumed. But I'll tell you something. We're newer than you are. Because we're being renewed day by day. And you will join us in the renewing process. Little b, the new Jerusalem, is God's enlargement and expansion. God's expression in eternity which is the corporate God. And now we summarize what I spoke at some length in the beginning. I will write upon him, the overcomer, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which descends out of heaven from my God and my new name. Amen. The fact that the name of God, the name of the new Jerusalem, and the Lord's new name are written upon the overcomer indicates that the overcomer is possessed by God, by the new Jerusalem, and by the Lord. That God himself, his city, New Jerusalem, and the Lord himself all belong to him, and that he is one with God, with the new Jerusalem, and with the Lord. This is what the Lord wants to see taking place Amen. gradually in us in the recovered church life. In the 60s, we didn't know very much. We just thought that once we arrived in the church, that's it. And so we had this song. We'll stand right here till Jesus comes, standing on the local ground. We'll stand right here till Jesus comes, standing on the local ground. Okay, we thought, this is it. We just will stand here on the local ground. As long as we say standing here, then you'll come. Well, it's good that we say standing here but it's good to stand here with your whole being opened to the Lord so he can make you a pillar and he can work himself into you to make you God, the new Jerusalem, and Christ himself 
economically. Amen. The name of God denotes God himself. The name of the New Jerusalem denotes the city itself. And the name of the Lord denotes the Lord himself. The name of God, the name of the New Jerusalem, and the name of the Lord, the fact that the name of God, the name of the New Jerusalem, and the name of the Lord are written on the overcomer indicates that what God is, the nature of the New Jerusalem, and the person of the Lord have been wrought into the overcomer. So I hope you can see the connection the involving the recovered church. On the one hand, we're connected to God's eternal purpose because God's eternal purpose is fulfilled by, in, and through the recovered church. But then in these verses we see we're connected to the future, to the coming kingdom, and to the new heaven and the new earth, because here in the church, the recovered church, the Lord is able to operate unhindered in us to make us his duplication, to build us into God, to constitute us with God, with himself, and the new Jerusalem. And this produces in us a reality that makes us ready to be raptured and to meet the Lord. We are ready for the next age without fear. We're not going to be helped much if we just have a kind of hope. Well, I hope to get there. I hope I can barely make it in the kingdom. Rather, we should just realize the Lord wants to operate in us day by day. And our part is very simple. Turn your heart to him, open to him, love him, receive his dispensing, experience him, enjoy him, and more and more respond to his inner operation. When you're a little naughty, as we all are, and you don't respond, then you'll come back, and the Lord will say, okay, I've just been here waiting, now let's go on. We still got time. I still love you. I have mercy on you. I brought you here because I love you. I care for you. I need you. I want you. You're irreplaceable as a member. You're indispensable as a member. Only you have your portion, nobody else. So I want you to grow. And so I just ask you just to let me do the work. You cooperate. Then we end this way. The mentioning of the New Jerusalem as a prize to the overcomer indicates that this promise will be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom. The New Jerusalem in the millennial kingdom will be a prize only to the overcomers. But remember in the first message, we said the reward given to the overcomers actually is the expression of what they are now, what they're becoming now. Those who will be rewarded with the tree of life are partaking of the tree of life now. Those who will receive the crown of life are reigning in life now. 
And those who will be the new Jerusalem are becoming the new Jerusalem now. So I hope it's clear this is in my heart from the beginning. This is a word for all of us. There are no heroes in the Lord's recovery. There are no supers. Ministering brothers, co-workers, there's just brothers. Brother Lee was Brother Lee. Brother Nee was Brother Nee. And your brother here is just Brother Ron. The same as you, believe it or not. Had the same beginning, has the same Lord, the same life, the same process, we're under the same ministry. So why don't you pray now for about a minute, however way you want to. If you're new to this and you feel that's kind of odd, then just wait a minute and you'll hear several hundred of us making noise as we're talking to the Lord together. And why not, why don't we pray, Lord, just make me normal. Make me normal and make me a part of the bride. And then we'll prophesy one minute at a time.